So this is part five, and this is our closing part, our closing chapter in the study on the Tower of Babel in the Bible. Now we're going to get into exactly how the Tower of Babel impacts or influences and quite frankly drives our mission as Christians, as believers, as disciples of Christ today. So tune in, remember, share this with someone you think will benefit from this and will enjoy the study. Um, subscribe yourself on the YouTube channel and always hit the thumbs up. Um, that helps YouTube see that people are liking the video so that YouTube will then share it to other people, which is kind of the, the, the goal here to you know have people study the Bible um, well. So thank you. Um, hope this is going to be a blessing to you. big words what are we saying there we're saying remember when the nations were appropriated out to the sons of god and some of them rebelled tower of babel what happened before the tower of babel we got a listing of the table of nations suddenly here now it's a whole divine setup jesus no look jesus is god Jesus knows when he's going to die, and he picks his death to be right around this um, um, ceremony time. So there's a ceremony happening in, in Jerusalem right now where all of these distributed Jews that, you know, got the Assyrians were known. And back in the Old Testament, you know, it was Nehemiah, Ezra, I can't remember exactly one. Someone came through and destroyed the temple. Uh, could have been the Babylonians as well. Pardon me if I get the numbers wrong, but... The, the nation of Israel, because of their sin, was taken captive. One of the nations that made that brought the nation of, H, of Israel into captivity was Assyrians. What the Assyrians were known to do, and this is historical context, you'll find this in this IVP commentary as well, their methodology of, of captivity was to, they, they, they were, you know, like a, a, a global superpower. They would distribute families across the world on purpose so that you would forget who you belong to. So they weren't like the Babylonians that would take the best like Daniel and them and bring them to Babylon. The Syrians had a different approach. The Syrians used to say, listen, we're going to send the father to the west part of our kingdom and he'll never see his wife again. We'll send a wife to the east part of the kingdom. Look, one could have been Spain. One part could have been as far as Spain. The other part could have been as far as, you know, Japan. Like literally, they would disperse them and disperse families so throughout the Assyrian global kingdom, the Jews were spread. Same thing happened with the Jews spread in Babylon. You know, while some of them might have returned to Israel, etc., lots of them got settled in Babylon and they very likely stayed there. Um, lots of them probably settled in Egypt. So we have Jews now all over the world dispersed that speak many languages and are at home in many other um, countries. Now, I'm going to shift cameras, and I have to go to this tome, and this is a phenomenal commentary. It's not in digital. Um, this is volume one, and look at the size of that bad boy. This is Craig Keener's note on um, exegetical commentary on Acts. I'm just going to read two sentences out of it for you, and he's talking about ends of the earth. 
Um, this is his commentary on the phrase, the ends of the earth, in Acts 1.8, which we've touched on there already. The ends of the earth, thus, includes the entire Gentile mission, even though Luke's narrower goal for his own narrative in Acts will be Rome because it's the heart of the empire. So that's this verse, but where I really want you to get is here, 2.9. And that's this. The more complete reason, so one, of, one reason might be that he's citing the Jewish di diaspora, but then why not include Ethiopia? So they're asking here, this, this Craig Keener is studying and saying, why did Luke pick these countries to list out in his table of nations? Let's go back to the table of nations. There. Uh, in the table of nations. And we see that here. Let me switch cameras again. And let me switch to this there. In the table of nations. We see it and, and Keener says, why does Luke limit his geographic horizons here? One reason may be that he's citing the Jewish di diaspora, but then why not include Ethiopia, where the Jewish message has obviously reached? You can see that in, in chapter 8. The more complete reason may be that he draws on a list updating the names from the table of nations in Genesis 10. So let me flip back here. What Luke is doing is Luke knows, and he knows his audience knows, the table of nations in Genesis 10. This is what we thought in Genesis 10. Those nations have changed names many times over the centuries that passed. And Luke is referring to those nations, or at least alluding to them, here by specifically calling out the nations with the modern names that his audience will recognize and say, hey, these are the nations that were separated under Babel. That's the nations that are finding themselves here right now. And I'm telling you, that's who my message is going out to. And let me read one more part of um, this bad boy. Luke's probable allusion to Genesis 10, the table of nations, whatever other samples he may have added, here underlines his very likely allusion to the Tower of Babel in this context. So what are we saying? Luke, let's go back to camera shot here. What Luke is doing here in um, Acts chapter 8 is Luke is saying, I want you to remember what happened at the Tower of Babel. And what happened at the Tower of Babel? The nations were dispersed and they ended up under other sons of God. Jesus has died. He timed his death at a time when people would be at this ceremony and um, various um, historians say it's probably 130,000 people crowd into Jerusalem for these annually required ceremonies. And that is, the, the timing of it was amazing. That is who the audience happens to be when the Holy Spirit comes and infills the 12 apostles. And now let's read the rest of what happens with the 12 apostles. So they're questioning, how, how's everyone hearing this in their own languages? And Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and Peter preaches to them. Peter literally preaches a sermon, spits fire more than likely. And he says, and then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter is now quoting Joel. 
So Peter goes back to the Old Testament and says, remember what the prophet said in the last days. It will be, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, etc., etc. Um, and then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the key. Not just the Jews, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And then Peter switches gears. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus is a Nazarene clearly attested to you by God with powerful deeds. So he's saying, this is the gospel. This is the story of it. Jesus, you executed him by nailing him to the cross, but God raised him up, having released him from the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held in death's power. For David said, the psalmist, I saw the Lord always in front of me. He was at the right hand so he could not be shaken. Because you will not leave my soul in hell, in Hades. So Peter is weaving together all the little hints that God tucked into you know, various prophecies that people didn't grasp yet. Peter is now saying, this is what these prophecies were about. And now, David, by foreseeing this, spoke about the resurrection of Christ. This is Peter preaching again. And that he was neither abandoned in hell, nor did his body experience decay. That's what happened with Jesus. This Jesus, God raised him up, and we are all witnesses of it. That's the gospel message contained. Jesus came down. He did great signs. Y'all killed him, buried him. God raised him back up. He had to die for a reason because he needed to show that death has no more power. Remember the demons video? Um... And now you're all witnesses of it. So then God is exalted on the right hand, etc. And I want you to see this. This is where the response to Peter's address in Acts goes. And now when they heard this, they were distressed, the audience. And Peter and the rest of his apostles said, what should we do, brothers? And Peter said to them, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. And you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away. You need to understand this is the first time we have it, we're getting an all-inclusive message. It's no longer for the Jews. This is for Israel. It's now switching gear. It's for everyone. So that tearing of the, 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 the curtain, it wasn't just for the Jews. It was Everyone now gets access through Jesus. That's the big differentiator. And then this is what happens. This is the, the strategic brilliance of Yahweh again. You will all now receive the Spirit of the Holy Spirit and for the promises for you and your children. And as many as call on the Lord of God, God will call to himself. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about three thousand people were added what's the relevance of this and let me flip back so you can see that text what's the relevance of this three thousand being added these were three thousand people of the hundred and something thousand that came to jerusalem for this jewish ceremony it happened to be the pentecost ceremony 
um, a feast time that was you know required for all good Jews. There were like three ceremonies, um, feasts right behind each other. Uh, one of them was when uh, Passover, when Jesus had the Last Supper. Uh, then Jesus was killed, and then some time passes. And like, if you read Acts and the end of like Luke properly, you'll see they say Jesus was with them for like thirty days. And the calendar says, the Jewish calendar says. Um, Pentecost is 50 days after um, Passover. So like we can calculate exactly when this was. So we know these people were really there. And these people are now going back to their countries where they came from because they were just visiting Jerusalem. They're going back to their countries, but they are now also infilled with the Holy Spirit. And they also are empowered to spread the gospel and lay hands on the sick and heal the sick and cast out demons, etc., etc., etc. And they've also been equipped with the message that Peter just gave them. You, Jesus died. Jesus came down. He did great miracles. You knew he was of God. You knew he was God. He kept saying it. You killed him. He raised up from the dead because he needed to die to go down into the pits of hell to explain to the demons, eh, y'all don't have no more power. I'm taking away this power of those rebellious spirits that um, was given to them in Deuteronomy 32. I am reversing that. I'm taking the authority and now everyone can come. So this is the, the, the actualization of the promise made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12. And this is why we have to study the Bible, the entire story. If you just get this little tiny part of Acts and say, oh, we got to go out and preach, you will probably get it. and You'll probably go out and preach. But you need to understand this wasn't just about going out and preaching. Jesus's mission was to take rulership over death. Jesus' mission was also to break that curtain that said only Jews can get this. Why? Because Jesus knew God's strategy from Genesis 12 was all families on earth are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. So Jesus comes and through Jesus, we're all blessed. And that is, it's the reversal, not just of death, hell, and the grave, not just of the powers of evil, it's also the reversal of the rebellious spirits that God temporarily gave. They, were, um, um, they weren't rebellious at that time. He gave them authority over the nations. They rebelled and tried to you know, do a stunt. And this was the fixing of that. This is what the audience of Acts 2 understood. Like they knew their Bible well. Like they knew the table of nations. That's why when Luke references it, they get it right away. Like it, they didn't have to do the level of study we did because this was in their context and this is what they were being taught all along. So Jesus came to reverse that as well. So on that note, um, there you have it. Um, that was our study on the Tower of Babel. I hope this was a blessing to you. Um, remember, like, subscribe, share the podcast, hit the little thumbs up button on YouTube. It helps get the message out. It's not a financial thing, but it does help. Um, so hope this was a blessing. We're going to be back with another uh, one of these probably next week sometime. Remember, follow Facebook, follow Instagram as well. We'll keep giving you hints about what we're doing there. Drop your comments, your questions. We love them. We like to hear the topics you want to talk about. We like you know doing this research and, and helping us all be better disciples. Thank you. My name is Greg. Have a good one. And that was it.
that was the final chapter of our study into Babel. Um, next week, we're going to be doing another study. Um, so hope this was really, really good for you. Um, remember, like, share, subscribe. Be blessed, y'all. This is Bible Hacking. Thank <laughs> you.